Welcome back. Welcome back to our journey through the Bhagavad Gita. We are on day 16 of this trek. I'm here with Chaitanya Charan, our teacher. We call him CC, And Balaram, a good friend in Atlanta. Good to be here with you both. Yeah, um, we, are, to be here. we are going to start today um, where we left off. We're going to start chapter 2, text 11. And we had just, we just got to the part where Arjuna surrendered to Krishna, asking him to instruct him. And in a text 10, Krishna just smiled, um, like recognizing that it's time now for, for Krishna to provide this instruction to Arjuna and to everybody else. So let's see what happens. Yeah. So this is the first instructive word spoken by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Shri Bhagavan Vacha Ashochan and Vashochistvam Pragyavadam Shabhashase Gatasun Gatasumsha Nanushochanti Panditaha. The Supreme Personality of God had said, while speaking, I learn uh, while speaking learned words. You are mourning for what is not worthy of grief. Those who are wise lament neither for the living nor for the dead. Ooh, that's heavy. Here, yeah. yeah. Here, the first word that Krishna speaks, the first verse is 2.11. The first word that he speaks is Ashochan, not worth lamenting. Now, many of the Gita commentators who have studied the Bhagavad Gita throughout history, the Gita has, in Sanskrit, which is the language that is spoken, over a thousand commentaries by different people, a thousand existing commentaries. And there are several hundred English commentaries, and, they, and many more also. So these commentators have often analyzed the Gita in terms of structure. So there's a significant symmetry in the structure, the last instructive word, so this is first word that Krishna speaks. First words you can say, and then Krishna's last words. They will be in the one of the most celebrated texts from the Gita 1866, and that Sarva that ends with Ma Shuchaha. Do not lament. So essentially the if you look at this text, what comes at the start and what comes at the end, that is a fair indicator of what is the core content. If a good speaker is or core content or central message, a good speaker, especially a speaker who speaks in an organized way, they will tell right at the beginning, this is the topic I'll discuss today. And at the end, they will say, this is what I discussed today. So if you look at the context of the Gita, the beginning and the end, from that, we understand that the core message is a message to free us from lamentation, from grief. So in that sense, this is meant to be a message of hope and positivity 
that that will it is you could say something like uh, a grief counseling session so from the broader context is if it, this is not worth lamenting it can be seem very strong uh, but not worth lamenting is the first word that he speaks and then what we can infer from this and at the end he says don't lament then what we can infer that what will be contained in the middle is how it's not worth lamenting hmm. so for example somebody has a sickness oh this is so terrible my hand is fractured and you know i'm a i'm a ball player and if without my hand i can't function my life is ruined say no 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 it's not worth lamenting and that's what the doctor says it's not getting worth it's not worth getting worked up over and then at the end the doctor says don't get worked up over then in between the doctor is likely to say that okay now i'll tell you why it's not worth getting worked over maybe you can fix your hand maybe you can give a prosthetic hand whatever it is it is going to address the issue so that's what is the core message of the gita that can be inferred from its very first text ashocha that no it's not worth lamenting so if we move forward what is he saying ashocha that shocha anvashochastum he says although what is not worth lamenting you are lamenting that and so here in one sense uh you know instruction can be given by various ways instructing by yeah go ahead there's just a notification that keeps coming up on on the tablet screen the 42% it just comes up again and again is there can you turn off notification oh it is Sorry. visible to you also is it yes it's just very distracting oh it's very strange okay sure thank you coming stream let's see if it may stop coming now okay great so any any comment on this point or should i go ahead about gita score message oh this is exciting excited nice to hear point. yeah really nice point hmm. so now sometimes when we there's instructing by contrasting by contrasting means suppose somebody speaks big big words i say we should never lose our temper we should always stay calm and then they get angry over a small thing we're like hey <laughs> you know you're not really walking your talk so krishna is doing something similar so he's saying that you are speaking learned words this learned words refers to arjuna's arguments arjuna's arguments from the previous chapter and to some extent is it's still now all that he has spoken these are not like we discussed they're not foolish words they are thoughtful words they indicate that he is he's a reflective person he's deeply contemplating his actions but he's saying while your learned words are there but in contrast you consider verse what's happening is uh, your emotions you are exhibiting emotions that are uninformed that are ignorant that are 
childish that are immature so you are lamenting for something that's not worth lamenting so emotions are unworthy it's sometimes a child has built a sand castle and that breaks the child may start crying now adult no that's not going to happen there's no need to cry for that so then why is it not worth lamenting he says there there that those who are wise he makes a very curious statement over here the wise don't lament and what do they not lament they don't lament for the living or the dead those whose life air is in their body and those whose life air has left their body the gita is a philosophical poem and sometimes it uses very beautiful poetic alliterations so living and dead it doesn't have any alliteration in english but in sanskrit it's gata soon and agata soon so there is a poetic element over there he's saying that actually the those who are wise they see that there is no essential difference between the living state and the dead state what we call as living and dead he doesn't use actually the word living and dead specifically he uses the more specific word that the life is present he uses a concept what whatever brings life the life or the source of life is present mm. the symptom of life is present or the symptom of life is absent so the indicator of life the symptom of life mm, it's when it's present and when it's absent the person a wise person does not lament so this is a very interesting thing he's indicating that, that through this that the wise see that there is no essential difference between the between the stage when a person is alive and when a person is dead now that raises the question how is that possible there's a world of difference person is alive is alive a person is dead is gone so that he will address in the next two texts but so he krishna is giving a parameter for wisdom like, like if you go back to the again the medic, medical metaphor say suppose a patient is very worked up and suppose the patient is also a medical student patient also supposed to patient is also spoken some some medical jargon but then the doctor may say hey, you are speaking medical jargon but you are getting worked up about something which a actual person who is a doctor a person who is a medical expert will not get worked up so on one side speaks medical jargon jargon i am not using in a negative sense basically it in jargon is used to indicate that a person has some medical knowledge but then is disturbed by something that medicos won't get disturbed over so that that is the contrast that arjun is being told by krishna in this text hmm and so krishna krishna's kind of calling them out right like you're speaking such intelligent words but at the same time you're so upset and distraught over the idea of having to fight against your relatives there must be something here that you're not really understanding which is yes. that the the we can't lament for the living or dead because they're essentially the same from the vantage point of the soul 
and you're you're forgetting that in in all of this yeah Yeah, so and even now that he's he's asked to be the student the transformation's already happened but krishna is still like he's just pointing it out he's not he's kind of tough on him you know he's not correcting him he's just pointing it out yes is not in one sense saying you are a fool he's saying that <laughs> uh, although you're speaking the wise don't act like this so that's mm-hmm. an intelligent way of calling somebody a fool <laughs> <laughs> isn't it so you are such a fool that's a very blunt way of you know you can criticize or as you say call someone out there's a blunt way and there's a more refined way so blunt way is say you are such a fool sometimes it also requires a certain level of refinement to understand this that i am also being my folly is being pointed out hmm? why is people don't act like this so that itself indicate that there is something lot more going on over here which is not known hmm yeah so go to the next text now how is it that there's no essential difference between the state of being alive and the state of being dead that's text 12 natvevaham jatu nasam natvam neme janadhipah na chaivana bhavishyamah sarve vayam atah param the mind balaram yeah yours okay Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be. So, now, Krishna is in one sense heightening the mystery by telling something but not telling it fully. So you're saying that, this, oh, they will die. He says that, no, they're not going to die. So in one sense, if we consider in the state of being alive, in the state of being say dead we say that there are like a huge contrast between these two but while now krishna is talking about the present is where they are at there is the past and there is the future so he is highlighting that not only himself he's talking about three basic protagonists over here he's talking about krishna arjuna and everyone else others hmm whoever are there is drawing them briefly so not all of these it's being said over here that they existed in the past they will be ex- they are ex- of course they are existing now and then they will exist in the future so in that sense what he's saying is that there is something which is this is just a rough indicator that there is a continuity of existence for everyone for each individual being there's a continuity of existence in the past they were there present they that means he's saying that death is not that big a thing you getting worked up about that but in the past they were existing in the we all were existing in the present we are existing and even in the future 
we will continue to exist this is now set going to set the stage for the answering the obvious question but the the body is going to die so we could say that the body didn't exist in the past and the body won't exist in the future so therefore through this the body didn't exist before a person was born these molecules were there they were different places and then when a person dies whatever way they are cremated or buried or whatever the body won't exist so in it raises the question what is it that our krishna is referring to when he said that we are all existing that he will mention in the next text mm so it's kind of like when when arjuna says hey what's the point of fighting i, I, I don't even care about the kingdom or um heavenly planets krishna is like yeah you're speaking learned words you're right those things don't matter but what does matter is is the soul's journey and and you're not really understanding that the soul is eternal in your analysis yeah it's a very good connection you're making so what really matters the kingdom doesn't and that agree so the gita is going to raise the level of discussion so you can say kingdom doesn't agreed but what really matters is that the soul's journey and then krishna will be talking later about how the soul's journey hmm, will be affected by arjuna's choices on the battlefield we consider the soul's journey then a from that perspective what should arjuna arjun be doing that will be explained in the subsequent sections balram hmm. any comment yeah i guess it becomes clear that um he is stuck on the body thing so like you draw this here like he he wins one he says one art- articulate intelligent thing but he he totally misses the continuity yeah that he will he will highlight in the next text and the body it's in an interesting way krishna states this point that dehi no sminyatha dehi kaumaram yavanam jara tatha dehantara praptir dhirastatra namuhiyati okay as the embodied soul continuously passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age the soul similarly passes into another body at death a sober person is not bewildered by such a change this is like the mic drop verse yeah that's true as we are putting in mic drop verse i like that <laughs> okay so what is he saying over here that he is generally if we consider knowledge or we could say more growth of knowledge how does knowledge grow so it doesn't grow that i am at this level and i just take a high jump and i go to this level like i don't know and then suddenly i know so knowledge really it's like don't mm, oh, it's put as a present knowledge and future knowledge it's not like knowledge doesn't generally grow by sudden leaps 
from where we are to some other place sometimes it can happen but most of the time knowledge grows in more that by building on what we know this is what i know and then this on that foundation this is what you can learn so the idea is that there is present knowledge and then there is our present knowledge or current knowledge and the new knowledge so the present knowledge that krishna is telling over here is that we see change of body and we understand that the no change of essential person of the core person we see that in our own observation and that he is talking in terms of three stages that if we consider a person's journey in this life when they are childhood youth and old age you see that there is a significant difference like sometimes if we meet somebody we come to know somebody in our youth or our later years of life and then they see a picture of ours from our school days maybe a school photograph they may struggle to find out who we are over there some similarities are there but some huge differences are there so over this time the body is changing and yet we say that hey you have become so tall now that means what are you saying you when as soon as you use the word you i i'm implying that there is something that is unchanging you the person is unchanging but become so tall that means there is something which is changing so the beyond beneath the cha- changing is something which is unchanging so the the body the body is changing but the essential person krishna has not yet used the word atma or soul specifically but that's implied he says they he the embodied what is present in the body that is unchanging and this principle we understand within this life so within this life that there is a change of body but there is no change of the person we understand and krishna says this same will continue across lifetime also this life and then at the end of life krishna will talk about what will happen in a future life next life he, he will mention that more explicitly later but here is saying that there is no change of person so this part that tatha dehantara prapti that just as there is change of body in this life similarly there will be a change of body at the end of life so present knowledge of change of body in this life and the new knowledge that he is believing you can make a inference from this about that that is change of body at the end of this life there will be no essential change in the person the person remains the same so that's what krishna is stating in this verse and it makes sense it really when you think about it it's like why if the soul's journey is eternal then why wouldn't it enter another body just because it, from our small vantage point our ability to see it's just we only see us from young to old 
why wouldn't it continue on? It just makes sense. Yes, true. Well, the, the, the identity, nature, and destiny of the soul will be elaborated on. But here Krishna is giving us a reasonable inference as a starting point for the discussion. Any comments, Baldham? Yeah, he does. Um, he does present this, but why doesn't Arjuna... I mean, um, he just accepts it. Why doesn't Arjuna challenge his theory or, or ask? That's a good question. Uh, we will address that in the next verse, next session. That's in fact, that's anticipated and addressed in the next text. Okay. So let's summarize. So we discussed first point was 2.11, where the Gita's purpose is to free from free us from lamentation that we discussed from the start and the end of the Gita and then we also talked about the point by teaching by contrasting hey you are speaking like a medico but you are not acting like a medico you are lamenting for that which is not worth lamenting and then in 2.12 Krishna is indirectly in one sense saying that pointing to the eternality of all individuals over there. They're going to exist forever. And then what is going to exist? That he points to in the th 13th text. And he says that a changing body in this life or next, this life or beyond, there is no difference. That there is something which is unchanging. The unchanging core, the unchanging soul is still there. And that is what we focus on. Thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna.